0: The penitentiary is an American invention. In 1833, construction was completed on the first penitentiary in Illinois. Located in the riverfront town of Alton, there was no building like it in the entire state and, well, only two others anywhere in the United States. Before its construction, Illinois lawbreakers were punished with fines, floggings, public shaming, and short stints in jails from which escape was simple. This didn't do much to turn felons from their lawless ways. While Alton was still struggling to turn from a small settlement into a thriving river community, the Quakers in Pennsylvania were busy searching for a way to force criminals to become penitent for the crimes they committed. Well, the term penitentiary was born and they created a place where they wanted outlaws to seek forgiveness for the wrongs they'd done. Eastern State Penitentiary was built in Philadelphia in 1829 to further the Quakers idea of prisoner isolation as a form of punishment. Prisoners were confined in windowless rooms with running water and toilets, and they would interact with no one during their entire sentence. This extreme isolation caused many of the prisoners to go insane. It was costly, dangerous and led to high rates of suicide. So in 1829, a rival system was also created and it gained wider acceptance. This new penitentiary was built in Auburn, New York, and here prisoners worked all day at hard labor and were isolated at night, just as they were at Easter State. A rule of silence was also enforced at Auburn. The prisoners could see one another, but they still weren't allowed to speak. This system became more popular than the one at Eastern State because it was cheaper to operate and the buildings could house more prisoners. This led to it being the choice for the penitentiary system in Alton, the largest town in Illinois at the time. The site for the new facility was selected at the foot of the bluffs on the west side of town. The land was leased from two brothers, John and William Mitchell, who were starting to amass a fortune in real estate and flour mills. Work began on the Limestone Building in 1830. The first warden Samuel Denton lived on the property which was soon dubbed Penitentiary Hill by the locals. The first prisoners of the future penitentiary also lived at the site and were put to work quarrying stone and assisting with the construction. When it first opened, the penitentiary had only 24 cells. This was believed to be more than enough to hold all the lawbreakers in Illinois, a belief that soon proved to be untrue. As more prisoners arrived, more cells and buildings were added, including a hospital, worksheds, and a warden's residence at the southwest corner of the site. There were 96 cells added by 1846, and by the time the prison closed, there were 256 cells that housed two men each. Well, The penitentiary was completed in 1833, and its first official resident, a thief named William Hess, arrived soon after. A second man, James Hyatt, soon followed. He had been convicted of grand larceny and sentenced to serve 13 months behind the Alton Penitentiary's stone walls. But he escaped just three weeks after he arrived and was never heard from again. James Hyatt was the first man to escape from the Alton Penitentiary, but he wouldn't be the last. Others would follow, however, more common were those prisoners who came to this place and simply never laughed, even though their sentences had long since run out. You see, the Alton Penitentiary was, and still is, a very haunted place, and it's one from which there really is no escape, not even in death. Welcome to a special On The Side podcast from American Hauntings, the podcast dedicated to bringing you the history, hauntings, legends, lore, and the dark side of our hometown, Alton, Illinois. Yes, we're back home again. This is episode four of an offshoot of the regular podcast, going back to our very beginning with updates and lots of new stories from season one of the show, which delved into the mystery and history of Alton. But why return to season one? Well, for one thing, the sound was pretty terrible back then. And we also ended up leaving a lot of things out and that was my fault. So last year, after doing a lot of additional research, I published a new edition of Haunted Alton and we wanted to bring some of that material here so that Cody and I could revisit some old stories, offer some updates and bring you some brand new tales from one of the most haunted small towns in America. Alton, Illinois. When prisoners arrived at the Alton Penitentiary, they found a grim and dirty place. A muddy yard, poorly built cells, iron bars on the windows, cots covered in a layer of filth and tattered and torn blankets and wool uniforms. They spent their days at hard labor and their nights in silent confinement. Punishments for not following the strict rules could be brutal, and men were beaten and flogged on a daily basis. It was, as you might imagine, hell on earth. The prison was managed by a state appointed warden who was paid a set amount by the state at the beginning of the year. From this budget, he furnished supplies, food, clothing and medical care, hired the guards and supervised the commissioner appointed by the state who handled all the products of the convict's labor. It was a plan that was wide open to corruption. Wardens were allowed to keep any money left over at the end of the year as their salary. So it's probably no surprise that conditions in the prison were poor almost from the beginning. It earned a reputation as a grim and horrific place, plagued by rats, vermin, and disease. There was always a lack of clean clothing, fresh water, edible food and medical care. Many men who served time at Alton died within months of their release. Their health was so broken from being incarcerated at the prison, they simply didn't survive long after they were paroled. The conditions were so bad that men did anything they could to escape. During its years of operation, several dozen men made successful attempts to escape over the walls. Rewards were offered, but few of them were ever caught. At least eight men served as wardens of the penitentiary over the almost three decades that it operated. As far as I know, none of them were considered outstanding or even competent. In 1835, Deputy Warden David Owens was killed with his own gun. He was standing guard over some prisoners when his rifle slipped out of his hand, fell on some rocks, and went off. The bullet killed him where he stood. In 1837, Warden Benjamin Enlow was removed from his position after discovering that he'd been taking bribes to let prisoners escape. The most infamous wardens were Nathaniel Buckmaster and his nephew Samuel. They became involved in the prison's operation around 1840 and remained in control until it closed in 1859. They essentially ran the penitentiary as a criminal enterprise pocketing as much cash as possible while the prisoners starved, froze, sickened, and died. And they were more than willing to use force to keep things running smoothly. According to Nathaniel Buckmaster, a convict named John Bolster refused to go to work when ordered to do so and tried to take a heavy cane out of his hands. Buckmaster hit the man with the cane and then shot him dead. It was ruled justifiable murder by a board of inquiry. And Bolster wasn't the only one. Several escapees were never returned to the penitentiary after Buckmaster and his guards hunted them down. All were shot as they attempted to escape. One prisoner who had threatened the life of the warden was later found hanging in his cell. In 1843, Nathaniel Buckmaster tried to extend his lease as the warden, but ran into opposition in Springfield. Reports had leaked out of Alton that the warden was taking payments that allowed prisoners to be used for slave labor outside the penitentiary. His kickbacks were low in comparison to work done by trade unions and they had him reported to the state. Nathaniel was out of a job, but his connections allowed his nephew Samuel to take his place, keeping the operation in the family. If possible, Samuel was even worse than his uncle. He made enemies along the prisoners, the guards, and even the townspeople. He was a surly, unlikable man. And of course, one of the wealthiest men in Alton. The prison had long supported the family's extravagant lifestyle and the younger Buckmaster had no intention of ending the corruption. In addition to the quarry operations crewed by the prisoners, Buckmaster also started a broom factory on the premises and worked them in there too. He also came up with another scheme when the Illinois State Fair was held in Alton in 1856. He obtained a contract to provide chairs, tables, window frames, iron gates, foot scrapers, and costumes for the fair, using the woodworking, blacksmithing, and sewing shops at the prison. He charged a hefty fee and then split the money between the penitentiary and his own pocket. All the while, the prisoners were suffering from malnutrition, cholera, and and chronic diarrhea. The penitentiary was so overcrowded that a report filed with the Illinois legislature in 1855 demanded the construction of at least 180 additional cells, but they were never built. By the 1850s, things had deteriorated so badly that Dorothea Dix, a social reformer and leader in the movement to improve conditions at prisons and insane asylums, led a crusade to close the Alton Penitentiary. After visiting Alton, she wrote that the penitentiary was badly situated too near the river, undrained and upgraded and generally unsanitary. It is not fit for human habitation. This led to a heated controversy that eventually ended in a legislative investigation and the construction of a new prison near Joliet, Illinois. So in May of 1859, the Alton Penitentiary was officially closed. The prisoners in Alton began to be transferred to Joliet in batches of 40 and 50, and by June of the following year, the prison had been completely abandoned. But it wouldn't stay empty for long. By 1862, America was a year into the Civil War, and Alton had become a military post. Thanks to its vital location on the Mississippi River and its proximity, to the Missouri border. Several garrisons of Union troops were stationed in the city, commanded by Lieutenant Colonel Sidney Burbank. By the first winter of the war, it had become clear that it wasn't going to end anytime soon, and more space would be needed for the growing numbers of Confederate prisoners of war that had been captured during fighting in Missouri. Available housing for them was exhausted in St. Louis. So a decision was made to reopen the abandoned Alton Penitentiary as a prisoner of war camp. By then, the penitentiary had been empty for several years, but it somehow passed a military inspection. A report from the medical inspector for prison camps, Augustus Clark, contradicted the findings of Dorothea Dix in the Illinois legislative investigation by stating that the prison was, as he put it, in good order. The prison offered a main three-story penitentiary building with 256 cells and five long rooms divided by partitions. There were also several stone buildings in the yard surrounded by a high stone wall. An old stable, the broom factory, and the blacksmithing building were converted to confined Union soldiers under court-martial and civilian prisoners. Lieutenant Colonel Burbank was placed in charge of prisoner security. The first prisoners arrived on February 9th. Not all of them were soldiers. They were also spies, saboteurs, guerrilla fighters, and even Southern sympathizers. There were even a few women incarcerated here, two of whom died during their time in Alton. Within three days of the arrival of the first prisoners, the penitentiary was already overcrowded. The maximum capacity of the institution was estimated to be around 800, but throughout most of the war, it held between 1,000 and 1,500 prisoners and often more than that. During the last years of the war, the prison was said to have held as many as 5,000 prisoners at one time. Most of the prisoners remained in their cells or had limited access to the yard where the drinking water and the latrines could be found. The prison had no water supply. That situation was remedied by hauling huge water kegs from the river using a wagon drawn by six mules. The drinking water was dumped into an old cistern located just a short distance from that latrine. The conditions were horrible and for the most part, no one cared. The place was just as bad as it was when it was a state facility and for good reason. The army provided the prison security, but it was managed by none other than Samuel Buckmaster. He still had the lease as warden and was now in search of ways to steal from the federal government too. He was provided with $20,000 each year to maintain the prison, but based on the deplorable conditions reported during the war, most of it was not being spent on the prisoners. The conditions were terrible, but when Augustus Clark returned for a follow-up inspection, he found nothing amiss and proclaimed that the care and comfort of the prisoners was exemplary. He added that every precaution had also been taken to prevent escapes. You have to wonder if Buckmaster made sure that Clark was well paid for his reports because they bore little resemblance to reality. He was as wrong about preventing escapes too, as he was about sanitary conditions. So many prisoners escaped during that first summer that Lieutenant Colonel Burbank and his regiment were transferred out and replaced by Colonel Jesse Hildebrand. He had recently been beaten by Confederates at the Battle of Shiloh and a command at the Alton Penitentiary, well, that was his punishment. Almost immediately, another escape occurred. Prisoners started a fire in the hospital straw storage room and the Alton Fire Brigade had to be called in to put it out. While the gates were open, four prisoners simply walked out. Union military officials in St. Louis sent exasperated letters to Secretary of War Edwin Stanton asking for Colonel Hildebrand to be replaced. Stanton agreed. And when Captain H.W. Friedley arrived in March 1863, Hildebrand went home to Ohio, where he died a short time later. When Friedley made a cursory inspection of the prison, he was shocked and disgusted by what he found. He filed a report about the terrible conditions, but very little changed. There was no time, no better soldiers to serve as guards, and Samuel Buckmaster had managed to bribe his way into a permanent position. The war went on and more prisoners were sent to Alton. It was overcrowded. Filthy, unhealthy, infested with lice and vermin and was plagued with dangerous situations caused by inadequate security and poorly trained guards. Plots to escape were constantly hatched and while most failed, some succeeded, leading to the deaths of both prisoners and guards. Most escape attempts failed though because of the health of the prisoners. Living conditions were sometimes unbearable and most of the men were poorly clothed. Food was often withheld as a punishment or wasn't even edible when it was given. There was no way to stay clean. Gnats and lice were common. The prevailing medical ailments at the Alton prison included malaria, pneumonia, dysentery, scurvy, and anemia, and they killed more men than gunshots ever could. Then in 1863, several isolated cases of smallpox broke out among prisoners who had been transferred in from a prison in St. Louis. The disease began to spread and quickly turned into an epidemic. During the Civil War, of the 620,000 soldiers on both sides who died, two perished from some disease for every one man who died in battle. Dysentery, which caused chronic diarrhea, was the biggest killer, followed by diphtheria, typhoid, measles, pneumonia, and various infections. Smallpox was especially feared because it was a disease spread by direct contact. At the time of the Alton outbreak, the prisoners probably numbered around 2,000 in quarters designed for less than half that number. They slept three in a bed, eight standing up, and used a common latrine. Nothing was clean in the prison, and the men were often unshaven and filthy. They were mostly unable to bathe, their sleeping mattresses were never changed or washed, and the prison yard was filled with pools of stagnant water and urine. The smallpox virus could live for hours on contaminated clothing and blankets and had an incubation period of two weeks. It spread to others long before the carrier even realized he was sick. Well, there was little to be done to treat the disease other than to let it run its course. Those with smallpox could be completely dehydrated, and as the sickness progressed, victims would develop oozing pustules on their legs, arms, and faces. Survivors were often terribly scarred. In 1863, men at the Alton prison began to get sick, and soon both prisoners and guards began to die. Before it was over, the disease spread into the city of Alton itself, killing many of the residents. In the early days, though, as the prison death toll began to climb, Alton's mayor, Edward T. Drummond, refused to allow any prisoners to be treated away from the prison. The patients were quartered in hallways, storage rooms and stables because the prison hospital was woefully inadequate with only five beds. Before the outbreak, there had been about a half dozen deaths per week. In the prison but soon they were counting more than five each day. Once the disease started to spread there was no way to stop it. The men weakened by poor diet and filthy living conditions were helpless against the ravages of the disease. The sick and the dying overflowed the converted sick rooms and no one knew what to do with the bodies of the dead. The prison deadhouse was simply a shed in the yard where bodies were kept until they could be buried and It was soon full. The panicked people of Alton refused to let the dead be removed from within the confines of the prison, and they were just as frightened by the proximity of the sick, who could spread further illness into the city. So now the dead and dying were taken to a small Mississippi River island, commandeered by the military. Dubbed Sunflower Island, it was a summer home owned by the McPike family. Their cottage on the island was turned into a pest house to quarantine the sick, and it was soon filled to capacity. A dozen or so healthy prisoners were sent to the island to serve as hospital attendants and stretcher bearers, but they, along with the guards, were terrified they wouldn't return alive. In addition to the sick, hundreds of corpses wrapped in sheets were taken to Sunflower Island as well, and they were buried there in hastily dug common graves. And that was not the only place the dead were buried. According to reports, many were also buried on the prison grounds and those remains were never removed. The epidemic continued to wreak havoc at the prison throughout the winter and into the spring of 1864. Officials eventually gave up trying to keep an accurate account of the dead. Estimates made after the war ranged from 1,000 to over 5,000 deaths from smallpox alone. Based on the abysmal conditions at the penitentiary, that number doesn't seem to be an exaggeration. Throughout the epidemic, prison officials used every method at their disposal to try and treat the dead, but no hospital facility existed. In the summer of 1864, a group of St. Louis nuns from the Daughters of Charity arrived at the prison to try and get the epidemic under control. They demanded better medical supplies, a hospital building, and permission to conduct burial services for the men. The new hospital was authorized on the grounds and construction was completed that autumn. They also opened the first hospital in the city, a short distance from the prison and a former boarding house. By summer's end, new smallpox cases were no longer reported and the pest house on Sunflower Island was closed. Shortly after the war, though, the location of the graves on the island were lost. A congressional report from 1869 stated, a number of Union soldiers and rebel prisoners of war who died from smallpox were buried on an island in the Mississippi River. The island has several times been overflowed since their burial, and all traces of the graves have been swept away. Well, the graves may have vanished, but the dead remained. In 1874, a dike for flood control built downstream caused the shore of Sunflower Island to erode, washing some of the bodies away. For years afterward, locals largely avoided the island. And for this reason, failed to notice the continued erosion, washing the island's rocks, stones and sand downstream. The waters also carried away the remains of many of the soldiers whose bodies had been left behind. The residents shunned the island. Some believed because of the chance that traces of smallpox might linger there. Others believed it was avoided for another reason altogether, because the ghosts of the men buried there in unmarked graves still roam the island. In 1935, a new lock and dam system was built on the river at Alton. Much of the island's sandy soil was used as fill around the southern leg of the dam and for a levee. Finally, in 1938, the locks and dams were completed and as the water level behind the dam was raised, the remainder of the island was obliterated. Over the years, much of the island has vanished beneath the waters of the Mississippi. What remains is a sandy strip of land that connects to the Missouri shoreline. It's now a recreation area, although the bodies of many of the men who died there are likely still buried on that spot somewhere. But do those men rest in peace? Probably not. Dating back to the late 19th century, Alton residents began avoiding the island because of the rumors of ghosts who wandered through the rocks and trees. Such stories are still told today. Many who visit the place claim they have seen and heard the spectral occupants of what was once Sunflower Island. Well, why do they remain? No one can say for sure, but perhaps they're still searching for the spot where their bodies were once laid to rest. After the war ended, the penitentiary was closed again, but this time it stayed that way. The walls around the abandoned buildings were torn down between 1870 and 1875, and the stone was hauled away for road construction projects. And still though, the empty buildings remained. They loomed over the former prison yard, which was turned into a public park in the 1870s. When locals needed stones for minor construction projects, they brought wagons to the old prison and hauled away what rocks they needed. However, despite persistent rumors in recent times, none of the stones from the prison were used for any major building projects in Alton. Stories claim that locations like the McPike Mansion and the old Mineral Springs Hotel and other sites were constructed with stones from the abandoned penitentiary, but this was most definitely not the case. By the 1940s, only scattered pieces of the prison buildings remained, and the last section was finally moved in 1974 and reconstructed along nearby William Street as a monument to the past. The area where the prison was located is now a public parking lot. Today, only a small portion of the wall remains on the side of the penitentiary, where visitors can find historical information and displays about the prison and the civil war. The last remnants of Illinois' first state penitentiary have vanished. But there's no question that their legend lives on. The horror, trauma, violence, and bloodshed of the past have left a memory behind at what's now a parking lot. And the land itself can't seem to forget that. It was not that long ago that the wide paved lot was a muddy field that held large stone cell blocks, a hospital, and a death house. Stories of ghosts and hauntings were widely reported here before the pavement even existed, and they continue to be reported today, and not only here, and not only at Sunflower Island. You see, overlooking the paved lot and once overlooking the penitentiary itself is the Mitchell Mansion, the home of two brothers who leased the land for the prison to the state of Illinois and later to the federal government. The once lavish mansion was built by John and William Mitchell on their sprawling hilltop estate in 1850. By then, the brothers had amassed a fortune in flour milling steamboats and railroads. When they first arrived in town, they'd invested heavily in real estate, especially in the area now known as Christian Hill. They hung on to a large parcel of land on Mill Street where the mansion was built. Even though it looked out over the Alton Penitentiary, which was not a pleasant sight, but perhaps they built here because they could look out and see one of their largest sources of income, the lease they held on the land where the prison stood. You see, they were aware of the horrible conditions at the penitentiary, but like the Buckmasters, they only cared about the money the place provided them. And that may be, some people claim, the reason for the visitations that occurred at their home after the prison was closed down. According to legend, in the wake of the Civil War, the house began to be haunted by the prisoners who died at the site. For many years, a frequently repeated story was told of a man on a horse who was seen riding up 4th Street in the direction of the mansion. When he reached the hitching post that was located in front, he dismounted, tied the horse's reins to the post, And then both he and the horse disappeared. Over the course of the years, the large mansion and the nearby servants' quarters and carriage house have been turned into ten apartments, all of which have gained a reputation for ghostly happenings. Lights turn on and off, footsteps are heard pacing the floors and going up and down the stairs. Disembodied voices are heard, and an occasional figure is seen that doesn't belong here. Perhaps even more haunted, though, is the site of the penitentiary itself. After the land near the crumbling building was turned into a public park, people came to the place to listen to music, play games, and picnic. As you might imagine, the temptation of the abandoned cell blocks was just too great to resist, and many visitors explored the now-empty corridors, vacant cells, and deserted staircases. However, these visitors soon learned that the old prison was not as empty as they first believed. It wasn't long before tales began to be told about ghostly voices, strange sounds, screams, cries, and eerie weeping and moaning from places where no living person could be found. In 1889, the local newspaper reported that the sounds of inmates marching in lockstep, a common method of prisoner movement in close file, with the leg of each man moving closely behind the corresponding leg of the man ahead of him. That sound was heard throughout the abandoned prison. On many occasions, curiosity seekers told of looking through the prison, searching for injured people or lost children, believing the weird noises had an earthly source. On every occasion, though, they found that no one was there. The disturbing tales continued for decades, even up until the time that the remainder of the prison was finally demolished. In addition to the sounds, people often spoke of seeing the spectral images of the former prisoners still wandering about on the property. These figures had the chilling habit of vanishing without a trace when approached or confronted. They would be there one moment and gone the next. Even turning the old prison yard into a parking lot has done nothing to stop the sightings. In recent years, passers-by have claimed to see the apparitions of men and soldiers lingering on the grounds. They are usually described as very ragged and will appear and then vanish with no warning. Many of these encounters have reportedly been very unsettling. I've probably talked about the first ghost story I was told when I moved to Alton a hundred times or more over the years, but I've never forgotten it. A man described walking his dog along William Street one night and noticed a dirty, ragged man walking toward him from the parking lot. Suddenly, his dog began to bark and growl, and he leaned down to quiet the animal. When he looked up to apologize to the man he'd seen walking, he wasn't there. The man had vanished. The entire incident had lasted for only a matter of seconds, but he looked all around the empty plot. Anyway, whoever the man had been, he just had simply disappeared. Unnerved by this, he hurried home to tell his wife about it and she suggested that the man might have been the ghost of one of the prisoners who died during time at the penitentiary. He wasn't convinced of that, but he didn't have an explanation for what happened either. He eventually had to accept the idea that he'd seen a ghost. For those of us who are guilty of taking the spirited places in Alton for granted, we often forget just how haunted the former penitentiary site really is. and We tend to forget that it's a disturbing example of how memories from the past continue to be experienced to the present day. When I remember this, I find that it reminds me of something that author William Faulkner once wrote. It wasn't about ghosts, but it could have been. The line goes. The past is never dead. It's not even past. And if that doesn't remind you of the hauntings in Alton, then I don't know what will. I don't what know if that
1: would be any better than be no. Like, oh, you're did you, right. get, it, did it you, you get it off my? Yeah,
0: uh huh. <clears throat> good point. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> Fuck.
1: I'm just, I'm just like, right, guys, I'm trying. Okay. Uh, thanks for returning with us to Alton, Illinois. Oh, wait. Uh huh. Fucking air conditioning. <laughs> oh, yep. Nope. No. 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 Nope. I I didn't even. I just I was like, I oh, it feels we good. We <laughs> have this
0: on the whole...
1: try it again. Thanks for returning with us to Alton, Illinois, for a special series of podcasts from American Hauntings. We're taking a trip back in time, sort of, to the first season of the show, which collected some of the most famous stories from one of the most haunted small towns in America. But it turns out we left out some really, really good ones. (laughs) So we're back in Alton for more. We've got old stories and updates and new stories that Troy managed to dig up for the new edition of the book, Haunted Alton. So buckle up. And by the way, I'm your co-host, Cody Beck. And with me is my co-host, author, historian, crime buff, and the founder of American Hauntings, Troy
0: Taylor. Yep. It has been fun. Adding things. I was kind of wondering. I added to this episode, as you may have noticed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know we covered this in our original season, but uh, I tried to get it through a little differently tell the story a little differently yeah. than the first season and uh, added in some new stuff. Yeah.
1: So, what has it been like uh, revisiting a place? Because so, I know you've done updates and things before, but Alton, this is, I mean, what, the third or fourth edition? Yeah, right?
0: this was really updated, though. Yeah, it's I mean, a, it's the a other lot one. Longer. Yeah, the other one, yeah, it's got 100 extra pages. Yeah, it's, it's um, physically bigger yeah, looking. Yeah, yeah the, um, you know, I had updated some things in the past, but this was really a revamp. Um, it, w- it was stuff I had access to that I did not have access to back in the days when I was doing the old editions. What, what changed um, change as far as just, resources well, and stuff? Well, a and... lot of newspaper and things and archive resources have changed a lot okay. that we didn't have that kind of access to, you know, in 1999 when I did the first sure, edition.
1: Sure, yeah. You know? Wasn't even born yet. And yeah.
0: yeah, see? So, <laughs> uh-huh. And, yeah, right. <laughs> and so, yeah, it just made a big difference. And that, and it's been a lot of fun because mm-hmm. of that difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, it's it's been cool finding new things. So
1: I think stuff, I think it's more so. uh, digitized now, I'm
0: guessing, yeah, too? Yeah, is, is that yeah and, and a lot of stuff that just really wasn't even accessible. Um, okay. You just couldn't, or you didn't know where to look. I mean, mm-hmm. there's yeah, no yeah. way to search through... You know, when it's, when stuff's uh, physical archives or microfiche, you know, how do you search? You don't. You have to already know a date you're looking for. Well, now you don't. Right. And it makes a big difference. How much stuff do you think like you might've potentially
1: just missed Simply because, like, of like exhaustion and going through. Oh, I'm sure. Like, well, oh, I yeah. missed the sentence. Yeah, here, because or, like, well,
0: and it's not even that. It's just you couldn't, you couldn't even like get through that stuff. Yeah, I mean, we're talking a couple, you know, 150 years in newspapers, <sighs> and you don't know. What when for, yeah. you know, you know what you're looking for, you just don't know where or yeah, yeah, when. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, okay, the list is impossible. Yeah. You know, and so you rely a lot on word of mouth and mm-hmm, that kind mm-hmm. of thing, which of course, you know, is well, probably we, always yeah. bad. Yeah, um, but it probably helps you, I guess you at
1: know. least but then it helps narrow down where I should start looking yeah. because come on, I can't right. go through right. 150 years yeah. day and by then, day. I mean,
0: and some stuff is no longer in the book. Kind of stuff. Oh, okay. Because it's like, okay, well, none of that was true. Wow. Oh, you know, wow. so okay. yeah, there's stuff I even took out completely, uh-huh. but there was so much more to add in. Interesting. That, you yeah. spent all that time writing all that stuff up. And yeah, you're well, like, nope, you know, that's the way it goes sometimes. That Unfortunately, is th- you find out things like the Bermuda Triangle and things that you think were true. <laughs> yeah, Turns out they're not. So, yes. you know, um, so... That kind of stuff does happen. No, I I, I love it. Um, and so just a uh,
1: kind of level set here. We just got done with the Haunted America Conference. Yes. Troy and I are in Alton, uh, very close to Mineral Springs, and um, we haven't hung out in a long time. We haven't
0: actually done a live or uh, No, live not, re- not recently. I and mean, a, they're always live in that we're sure. looking at each other, but not facet- over <laughs> over space and time. Yes, you know? yes.
1: No, I know. We both look way better through that. Through that yeah, probably. To, yeah, uh, probably
0: just, better lighting, <laughs> Yes. You know that kind of stuff. So. but
1: we dude, I had a I had a great time at Lewis and Clark. It was so yeah, much was, bigger. I met fun. so many people. um I did. I think I got like, Eleven or twelve different ghost stories, but there are still people I didn't get to talk to so much. But there were so many more vendors. Like we had like a middle row kind of thing, yeah. Like, and yeah. there were there were so many people. Um. And yeah, w- what was your experience with the conference? Yeah, it
0: was, it was great. I I thought it was a lot of fun. We had a lot more people than we've ever had before, which was nice. Um. A lot of people I'd never seen before, never met before. Yeah, yeah. Um. Which was also great. Um, And a lot of people can say, you know, oh, this was my first time, you know, and and that's very cool. So, you know, after 26 years, we still have people having their first time. That's good. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, but we're, um, we're, you know, we're planned for next year. Um, It'll be like the 20th through the 23rd of June next year. And uh, we'll be back at Lewis and Clark. And we've got a lot of ways to... um, streamline and update some of the stuff that we're going to be doing because we, uh, you know, it's the first time there. So we've got some ideas for next year that I think will make it run even smoother. But um, if you came uh, to the conference, thank you for coming. Mm -hmm. We really appreciate that. And uh, if you didn't, and maybe you've heard about it or you've seen something posted about it online now, we hope that uh, we'll see you next year because it was a lot of fun. And I think next time will be even better. Yeah, I agree. And we, I mean, we had people coming from Florida and California, like everywhere. And
1: it was great. Um, Also, you told me this year we would have walkie-talkies, and I didn't get a walkie-talkie. Well, we did.
0: Uh, we did. I didn't have get one. Um one. Well, it's probably no one trusted you. That's Fair But there were some walkie talkies around. I didn't have one either. Of course, I didn't want oh, one. Oh no, so. no, no. We would not give you. we, <laughs> no. that,
1: we have yeah. walkie talkies. Probably to keep you, <laughs> you know, right. out. Right. That's probably true. Yeah. That you have to do. Uh, <laughs> um, but no, th- it was it was so great. I get to meet so many people. I yeah, got to fun. see um, my old campus and and just be around town. And um, it was a bigger venue to hold more people. Yeah. Like it was, yeah. It was we was had a lot
0: of great local business that sponsored things yeah. and stuff too that was so, very yeah, cool yeah. this so, year people, we'd never had that before yeah and so people got
1: discounts fun. and things yeah. and like yeah yeah, yeah that yeah, was great that's that's awesome yeah, so. um yeah okay so we're gonna talk uh, penitentiaries and i can't i'm gonna mess up that word so many are. times
0: you could say prison if you don't want to prison say
1: penitentiary uh, Amer- so. american thank you Amer- american invention um and we're li- we're recording it pretty close yeah to where it was. Uh, what six blocks yes or so. yes something yeah. like that yeah. um in 1833 construction was completed on the first penitentiary
0: in Illinois. oh my god it's just penitentiary i don't know why i can't say this <laughs> word properly no, i, I had this on the i know I you're had not the problem. only one i um i p- some people can't say that i had I've this heard problem other words, when we did it before so don't worry too. okay um, it's but, okay just say prison prison um but, although you can't really at the beginning because it's talking about where the word penitentiary comes from okay.
1: yeah yeah um, um would you like me
0: to handle that yes please so, they, yes penitentiary um as, as mentioned, um, the word comes from people being penitent for the crimes they committed. Um, that you. was the Quakers' idea to isolate prisoners and mm-hmm. make them think about the crimes they committed. Um, because back then, if you committed a crime, you were punished for a crime. Rehabilitation was not a thing. Uh-huh. No one cared if you got better. They just wanted to punish you for what you'd done. So this was a new idea. Well, so yeah. I was,
1: what, what I wanted to ask about that is it seems like... They went all the way to the end and then started to kind of come back. Like, oh, maybe we could just keep people locked up, but not in solitary confinement. Yeah well, like, yeah. well, yeah. Well,
0: not sort of. Yeah, because it, they discovered how expensive it was. Oh, okay. I mean, for starters. <laughs> right. Okay, so Eastern State Penitentiary in in Philadelphia is mm-hmm. awesome. If you ever get a chance to go there, um, you know there have been movies filmed there and stuff. I mean, it's. Uh, what, you were you in one of those? No. No. Okay. Uh, no. You would <laughs> recognize it if you saw it, uh, but it. Um, it's the idea was they, they, these were individual cells Uh and they, you know, when you were brought there, when you were brought in, uh, they put a hood over your head, Mm -hmm. uh, and they took you to your cell. You never saw a guard. You never spoke to a guard. You went into your cell. The only thing you had was a Bible and you had your, your clothing, your food was brought to your room each day. Uh, there was indoor plumbing. Mm -hmm. Now, when they built that, this place in 1829, even like the white house didn't have it. I was going to say that seems pretty it was early way ahead of its yeah, time, yeah. but it was to keep them from having any contact with anyone else. Uh-huh. And then attached to the back of each cell was an outdoor area so that they could go out and get fresh air and sunlight. Uh, and it was an outdoor thing that was probably the size of like two phone booths Damn. and it had a, like a 10 foot wall. So you still couldn't see anything. You couldn't see anything but the sky. Yeah. And all the lighting in your room was provided by one window in your ceiling. They called the eye of God because it looked down at you and that was the light. And that's normally, unless the weather was great, that's all. Yeah. you Yeah. No wonder the suicide yeah. rates were so yeah. high. Yeah. There was a lot of problems with that. And plus super expensive. because yeah. You can only put so many people in a prison that mm-hmm. size. Mm-hmm. So when they decided somebody, you know, when they built the second penitentiary, they were like, okay, that's ridiculous. We cannot spend that kind of money. So they started to build it with two men in a, Sell, but they still weren't allowed to talk. Yeah, there was a rule of silence, That's and you know, seems, even seems though worse. that when they opened Alcatraz in like nineteen thirty four, uh-huh. it was the same way. No, shouldn't talk. Uh, for the first several years, eventually they relaxed that rule, but because people were losing their shit and were being punished constantly because they break the rule. Damn. You can't have people around you and never speak to them. kind of seems almost worse physically impossible. That seems kind of worse yeah. almost like a solitary yeah. it, confinement it, seems terrible, yeah. but not being able to see somebody and not be uh, able to uh, talk yeah. finally. Well, and even like the guards, it would be no sound. Like the guards would like, they wore like uh, like bags on their shoes, like burlap bags. So they made no sound in the hallways because no they, they one ever knew anyone was around. I, I, it's that isolating, so was, you can see why people killed themselves.
1: Oh, I was—I was telling you earlier, like so. There's a big storm in Creve Corps, uh, Missouri, where I live now, and um, my power's out. And
0: so I usually just have fans going all the time. Right. It
1: is so quiet in yeah, my apartment I that I was sleep. losing there's, my shit. Yeah,
0: there's no way I could sleep. I, I like to have that fan noise no, going. No, I, so. I, exa-
1: yeah, I was, I was, I was losing my stuff. Um, let's talk about—we were talking about prisons, hell on earth, right? So
0: yeah, so then when they built the one at all. They they went more with the um, and even Alton, though originally had a silent rule but they ended that pretty quickly.
1: Is this only? Is this like when they when they end that rule and stuff? Is that only for like financial reasons or is it? Did no, they give it was a to fuck? maintain order. Um, well I meant when they when they drop things like did, is it only when this oh I stuff, see what did you're they saying. give
0: a shit at all aside from money no or, not really um, okay, um, not it's yet. just to make it easier for um, it made it easier to maintain order for the guards and things uh, once they said okay you know just let them talk because otherwise we're busy all the time trying to enforce these stupid rules that really are unnecessary yeah yeah, yeah. but like Auburn and like Alton and like a lot of the penitentiaries including like Joliet years later which we mentioned in this um they, you know, did like when the prisoners went from place to place, they marched in lockstep. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's and I think I that in the uh, a little bit later on. It's, that's you have one arm up on front of the shouldering guy in front of you, and you march at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's it was to maintain discipline and yeah, maintain yeah. order. It's like A
1: military, kind yeah, of it thing, is, or, and yes, that's sir. exactly
0: what it was. And they felt like that by doing those kinds of things and not allowing to people to talk and that kind of thing, that it would impose some. How that would rehabilitate you, I don't know. Well, no, they weren't thinking I that think far ahead. That, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I also think that that a lot of these penitentiaries, they kept calling it that. But I don't think... I mean, I'm sure re- reform was an idea. Mm-hmm. started with the best of intentions, like the insane asylum Yay. we talked about. Right, right. You know, these places start with great intentions, but it gets lost along the way so Yeah, yeah, the road to hell. Yeah. No one is being sent to uh, a penitentiary today with the idea of, oh, well, they will be better people when they come out. <laughs> I don't care if they have education classes and get their GM. Most of those guys who go in are not given any opportunity to do anything, mm-hmm. to try to make themselves better. Yeah. Um. You know, they all end up like in the John Dillinger school of penitentiary stays it's where they just made come out crimi- as better criminals yeah. when they get out. Absolutely. Yeah. And you, so when you talk about too you know, in
1: 1835, like deputy warden, David Owens um, killed with his own gun. That's, yeah. that, that's the whole thing. But the, eventually they, uh, sorry, Nathaniel Buckmaster. I was trying to get to, yeah. and they just, it's a criminal enterprise. It, and, it really was. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it really was. And, you know, that guy was like a, served his um, Nathaniel or Samuel actually um, ended up as a mayor of Alton. Yeah. Uh, was yeah. a state senator. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. I was going to ask, is that Buck, Buckmaster Road? Yeah, same. Yeah. Buckmaster it. Lane. Same or people. Lane. But yeah, it's, you know, these guys were cashing in. I mean, it, you just start to look into their history and, and you see, you know, Nathaniel being, having this job taken away from him because he was, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. he was using the, the, uh, the, the staff or the staff, the prisoners of slave labor yeah, right yeah. in town. Yeah. Um, there's a movie that came out and I doubt you've seen it, but Glad it came out changed in today, 1980 yeah. called, um, uh, Brubaker and it's Robert mm-hmm. Redford and okay, he okay. is a prison warden, but he goes undercover in the prison to see what's going on first. Uh-huh. And then he reveals that he's of course nobody believes him at first. Sure, but eventually right, right, they right. come and get him out. And then he tries to clean up the prison. And um for a while it works because he's doing the right thing. But the, you know, the 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 corruption is so deep in state government and yeah. the, you know, that it eventually it bites him in the ass. It's, but it's a great move. Put, put him it. back in prison? No, no. Uh, oh, He's okay. a good guy. He's okay. It's, sure. it's some of the guys who he helps uh-huh. ends up they get bit in the ass. Yeah. I mean these are prisoners and things that you know he tries to help them because they're not being rehabilitated; they're being punished, yeah, and they're being used as slave labor and stuff. Yeah. Seriously, if you get find this movie, watch it. Yeah, yeah I yeah. think you'd really like it. Absolutely. It's a. I'll a, check it out. Not a lot of people have seen it, but uh, I mean, I I don't know why it's not like high on his list of things. Yeah. Robert Redford. Yeah. Kind of no. Thing, yeah. But it's, well, it's, it's a really it's great. good movie if you get a chance to Absolutely. see it. But even that, I mean, like I said, it came out in 1980. Yeah. Or if you watch like Cool Hand Luke. Well, we, from yeah. the sixties with, you know, with, uh, rock, uh, Robert, uh, Oh my God. Paul Newman. People, people Jesus. Are be, people are anyway. Really anyway mad at us for that. Oh, I know Paul Newman. And, uh, and yeah, it's and been a, Robert it's been a long week. and Paul Newman together who butch and Sundance and, yeah. uh, you know, and I'm like not remembering. Anyway, <laughs> that's um, why was, we're dancing around. It's been a long week. Yeah, people. Okay. Just, just it just has, but, but that's a good, Prison movie, but it's a little different because it's a southern, yeah, yeah, you know, work camp kind of thing. But Brubaker would give you an idea of just oh, well, so is the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, yeah, how corrupt well, prisons are, well, of course. You know? And there, there so, been
1: there been also so many movies about Let, yeah. let's put this person in undercover, and then oh yeah. no, they lose their uh, uh, right. weird identity thing, right, so right, nobody right, knows right, that right. they're actually right. And that's been like a trope that they've used for a long time. But I'll tell you, I mean, I've uh you know been locked up uh, overnight or something like that. But but my <laughs> friends that have been to prison, they they'll tell me things. They're so like, no, not good. Like, yeah, that's no, a horrible place. No one wants to be yet.
0: there. Um, but so, I'm going to say this was worse back in the 1830s. <laughs> yeah. well, um, just based on the conditions of the places. That's what I was going to um, ask. You know, but yeah, they were definitely skimming out the budget. Oh yeah, the twenty thousand a month. Using as little or money or that yeah. they could on the, the well, penitentiary. Well, what so. I wanted to ask
1: was, um, do you think it would have been worse to be in the prison
0: or the POW camp? What, like, uh, it, definitely the POW that, camp that because the overcrowding was even worse. I mean, otherwise it was the same you know, you're essentially it's the same place, it's just, just conditions more people are the same. It's just a lot more people. And you
1: said 5,000 is what it kind of topped out
0: at. And Well, yeah, that's for... what an estimate because they gave up counting. It's kind of like giving up counting on how many people died during like the uh-huh. smallpox epidemic. Okay, and no we'll one really that, knows. Yes. The numbers are all over the place. Yes.
1: So. yes. Um, yeah. So 5,000 uh, POWs at the max, uh, roughly, maybe, who knows. Um, Freedley inspects the prison. Doesn't like what he finds.
0: No, no. Yeah, that, finally somebody comes in who's not corrupt. Yes. And yet doesn't do him any good because that's one of the things if you um, if you do a lot of reading or any kind of study of anything about the Civil War, um, we'd never been involved in any kind of conflict like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, the world at that point really hadn't been involved in anything like that because it was the first modern war as far as... The railroads were used, modern cannons, modern, more modern guns than Mm -hmm. anyone had ever used in a war before. And so the corruption had to keep up with it. (laughs) Right, right. So, I mean, people were making so much money off selling like crap to the army and cannons that didn't work and all kinds of stuff the same way. And in that, I think that I'm I'm positive that still goes on today. Remember the, you may or may not remember the scandal 20 years or so ago about the, you know, $200 hammers and stuff, you know, of what these defense contractors were selling. They were finding out that defense... It was kind of like when you go to the hospital and you get like a Tylenol and it's like, you know, $18. (laughs) It's the same thing. They do the same thing. They'll sell hammers to the Pentagon for like $200 for a hammer or a a wrench or something. And, you know, it it just gets lost in the shuffle Uh and people uh make all this money. And it always makes me think of like... um, the reason that uh, Teddy Roosevelt started the the Food and Drug, you know, just to not Food and Drug, but to to inspect meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not the FDA, is it? Uh, no, that's what no, uh, it was. Maybe it's I don't think so. People are going to Whoever so I know, this. whoever inspects <laughs> Who meat, I know. It's yeah, yeah. Off the top of my head, but the reason that got started is because when he was in Cuba during the Spanish American War, they were shipping them like canned meat, mm-hmm. and they would get it, and it was inedible He he said he'd rather eat his boot than and then eat the stuff they were sending him so then when the the book came out from sinclair lewis the jungle mm-hmm. came out about the slaughterhouses in chicago he yeah. read oh, the yeah, book yeah. and that's what prompted him to start like meat inspections and stuff because of how disgusting and yeah filthy in the way that the corruption selling you know meat to the government you know to feed soldiers and stuff just, it's been a, going on forever at
1: some point like it's always
0: a scam on taking money from the government
1: I, there I, always is. and and don't get me wrong i'm not 100% against that but you got to draw a line i know well help your yeah, soldiers that's the over thing. there and they're like I know. They're, you want well, food and then I know.
0: Like come on, you know, but man. but that's that's been going on since you know the beginning well, of the government. I mean it, that, well, yeah. that was going on during the American Revolution. Yeah, yeah. I mean well, yeah. there's a whole big thing about the how George Washington didn't take a salary okay. as the you know head of the of the military, but he expensed them for everything, oh, and he was oh, making okay. like a fortune <laughs> just on expenses. That's kind and of he's brilliant. you know the father of our country. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. that kind of stuff's been going on forever. So it's not really a surprise. Yeah, that they were doing it. But the conditions and, and the people that were suffering oh, because of it. Right. Is it any wonder we have those yeah. stories? That's the thing. Is,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll do it at the expense of the government. Don't do yeah, it at the expense right, of somebody right. that might actually the, the, need the help. poor people that are dying. There. Exactly. Um. So I, w- I wanted to ask if, I, if I'm getting this correct. Does basically were you
0: saying disease killed more people than bullets oh yeah absolutely yeah yeah during the Civil war yeah number one cause of death diarrhea in the Jesus Civil war I'm not H. kidding
1: and and that's the thing is like you you talk about the more modern warfare and all that mm-hmm. but you think about Civil War even World War one and stuff it's like we had weapons that were just good enough but wouldn't kill you real quick right, right. and that sounds and a lot just of this well terrible. and this was the
0: same way because um a uh, they didn't doctors didn't and remember this is. You're talking about the 1860s here. Yeah. So you got doctors who just learned how to be doctors. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And they don't have any bodies to operate on for the most part, so they're they're robbing graves, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. um, they're doing the best they can, but nobody really had the skill or the time to be taking out bullets. So if you got shot in the arm or the leg, they just cut it off because and, and, and 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 hopefully you didn't bleed to death. They just they like give just, you some alcohol or something well, or like they, do yeah, whatever Well, there they was could no anesthetic. Just, yeah, yeah. So they give you a bunch like of something. Yeah, they give like, as much alcohol as you could shot. to get you drunk. And then they would just saw your leg Ugh. off with no anesthetic. And then, you know, burn the, uh, cauterize the Yay. stump. <laughs> yeah, of course. And so all of these guys came home from the war, missing arms and legs and mm-hmm. stuff. It's kind of like after World War One, all those guys came home and, you know, because of mustard gas and all kinds of things. So, faces half gone and stuff like that. And so this created a whole new, you know, kind of world that no one was used to living in Mm -hmm. or even understood. So you've got all these guys who now are coming home to work their farms and things, and they don't have arms and legs and, you know, or missing one or two or whatever. And so, yeah, so these things were bad, but more people died Well, double the amount of people died from bullet wounds, died from diseases. And, you know, the diarrhea was mostly caused by dysentery, which Uh is, you know, Uh bad drinking water Uh for the most part. Just not cholera, uh, not quite that bad. Right. At least dysentery, you know, you can recover from easier than you can cholera. But even so, you can't stop... You know, you yeah. you've got chronic diarrhea, and it's not like you can go down. It's no. not like the doctors handed out a modium right, 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 or right. Well, you're fighting. You're a, just you're fighting a war, yeah. And you're also drinking again, drinking dirty water. You're drinking. You're eating terrible. Sitting food. Sitting in a trench, and it's or just something. gonna keep getting. It's just gonna keep going. Yeah. Until gosh. you eventually somehow recover. Yeah. So imagine you've got all these people crammed into that prison. Yeah. And you know. 90% of the people there have, you know, diarrhea or they've got typhoid or a pneumonia or in the wintertime or measles. And then now people have smallpox uh-huh. too. Yes. And you start spreading that around and you don't even know you have smallpox until, mm-hmm. you know, you've had it for two weeks. Right. And then you start breaking out and, you know, oozing pustules on your face and things. But it didn't matter because you've now given it to everyone you've come into contact with for the last two weeks. Yeah. And considering that you're spending a good part of your time in a cell with eight or ten other guys. Yeah. You guarantee you've given it all to them unless they've had it before. Right. Or have had some sort of that kind of virus in the past. Right. Um, You know, chicken pox or something like that. Good chance you won't get it. But the only way to keep people from getting it is just like vaccines we have now. I was, I was there, was yeah. no, okay. there was a vaccine for smallpox. No, there was a vaccine. Even There was a vaccine back in the 1700s. Um, they just took smallpox from people who had it. It mm-hmm. would go and dip needles into someone's oozing pustules, uh-huh. and then they would give it to you in small amounts. Mm-hmm. Wait till it died mm-hmm. on the needle, and then you would get it poked into you. It's so over weird. Over and over what a and crazy over concept. and over again. Hey, I've got a smallpox scar. I mean, everybody, yeah, until like... You do. Yeah, until like the 70s. Yeah. Every, every kid, when it was eradicated, every kid got a smallpox vaccine uh-huh. when they were in school. Yeah. And they were these big guns. And so anybody... Um, anybody born, say... I don't know. I don't know when exactly they stopped it. I, I think it was sometime in maybe the late 70s. Mm-hmm. But anybody born before that that hadn't started school, we all have these round. You can't see mine now because Because you're all tatted but, up. Um, but you'll find people my age that still have a round smallpox uh-huh. scar. They're round and they, they're a scar. And, so and they're from all those gun. needles. But it was just a big gun and it gave them to you all at once. And, oh, okay. Yeah. okay. So okay. I think we may have talked about this before. Probably. Um, but... Uh, yeah, we used to we used to vaccinate for smallpox. Yeah, I mean we should. Yeah, we should Which, probably we should probably vaccinate well, for other
1: deadly diseases too. It's yeah, well, you would
0: think. But um, but they eventually eradicated smallpox, so they stopped. And then, and of course, then you have. You know, wackos who decide they don't, you're going to vaccinate their kids, and then we end up with measles going right, out again. Right. And things yeah, yeah. That we shouldn't have. Yeah, I think it should have, we were smart I enough know. to get rid of a long time ago. I know. Ago. Well, yeah. and we uh, but we did. Uh, we, did polio, get, we did get rid of it. Polio, things mm-hmm, like that, mm-hmm. that we talked about. But yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Things we got um, rid of. Yeah. So, but yeah. So these are, these were big issues here. And the smallpox was the worst because right. they couldn't get it under control. There was no way to stop it. Yes. and you Yes. Know, and even so. with the vaccinations. I mean, the vaccinations were horrible. Well, then, I guess, but, it, well, sure,
1: because know. one, they didn't know what they're doing ex- yeah. ex- ex- so much, but also you need that herd immunity, I'm guessing. Well, yeah, ex- but well, well, really if, and if people
0: get it, I mean, if people had it and some people had gotten it before because mm-hmm. it had been around for, you know, by that time, a hundred and some years, probably yeah. uh, people were getting it in this country and, um. You know, would build a natural immunity to it. So those are the people they put to work. You know, carrying stretchers. Oh and, right, right. Attendants out on sunflower island. They would put them to work yes, out sunflower there to island. take care of those people yes. because somebody had to. Right. You know, can we? Can so, we? Can,
1: can, okay. Can we talk about? Yeah, so we talked about sure. sunflower island when we did our river road ghost. Uh, uh, yeah. River road uh, blue pool. Yeah, that yeah, type yeah. Stuff. But yeah. if I'm driving down the river road now, say I'm going from Alton to. Um, the loading dock or something. Can okay, I, well, can I but you're, see well, any of that? Or you're, you're only gonna, the you're right. gonna
0: see it right here at Alton because it's here. It's right there. It's right next to the Clark Bridge. No shit. Yeah, when you go across the bridge. Uh huh. Um Which I you I'll get, do it when I go right, home. Right. Yeah. When you get to the other side of the bridge, look to your right, and you'll see the big concrete uh-huh. arch there. That was the that was one of the locks they put in nineteen thirty five and left it as sort of a right. replica. Or not a replica, but yes. like a monument kind of thing. Wait,
1: is that uh, the place where, like, that, we would we go and the cops come all the time and you're yeah, teenagers and hang yeah, out and that's like,
0: Sunflower Island. No shit. Or what's left of it? Okay. Yeah, a lot of it's gone, um, but it's attached to the Missouri shoreline now. It's on an island more uh-huh, right. because the Mississippi right, changes right, right. so often. But right. yeah, it's right there. I mean, you can see it. We can stand out here Probi- on the patio you can probably and probably see it. it. Yeah. Wow. So it's just right across the river. Oh, okay. so but yeah, that's that's Sunflower Island. Now the the only other thing that that place was ever known for, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it was just a. It became like a little. Like summer house for the McPike family. They okay. okay the yeah. McPike mansion. All right, right, right. right. Uh, but the only other thing it was known for is uh, there was a duel uh, supposed to have been fought there between Abraham Lincoln. And another guy back in the 1840s. Did we talk about this before? I think we did. We uh, can we did. talk about it again though? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I love duels the, so yeah, much. Yeah, It was the you know the story about how he had written about this guy in the newspaper. Uh-huh. Uh, I had written a funny letter to make fun of this guy because I he love was it. a Democrat, and Lincoln like, was a Whig at the time. You yeah, know, yeah. Whig, you know. And um, so he had had made fun of this guy. Uh, his name was James Shields, mm-hmm. and he was okay, uh, yes, very right. upset about this and challenged him to a duel. And like it's like, I'm not gonna fight a duel with you. Was and it then, was that still a thing back? Yeah, like, yeah like... it was still it was still hanging on in the eighteenth. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. They didn't really I mean it was illegal by then, that's why they had to go out into an island because oh, like it was illegal in Illinois, right? It was sort of it was nobody's or, or island kind of thing. So that's why they went out there. But yeah, I mean so he challenged him to a duel and and Shields was kind of a not not as short as like Stephen Douglas like a uh-huh. statue yeah, yeah, but yeah, right. uh was pretty short or at least smaller. And Lincoln was, you know, tall, long, gangly yeah. long arms. And so he challenged him to uh, that they stood on a piece of wood and fought with broadswords. And it was just kidding because there was he would have hacked this guy into pieces, right? Sure. Uh, because he's so big and, and so he's yeah. like, oh, okay then. He's got the reach. Yeah, and, and so they yeah. got out there to the island and so somebody hands Lincoln his sword and he's standing there like flicking at the trees uh-huh. way overhead, knocking leaves off with his sword. And I guess James Shields went, um. Oh, fuck you so know what, so, so what
1: happens when you like yeah, re, well, uh,
0: get, yeah. move back from a duel
1: or yeah they, well they yeah, trouble I mean, or just demasculating in the first yes. place yeah
0: and so they just you know patch things up is
1: that, so there's yeah. no like charges well or, i don't I mean no good, there's they, no
0: charges or anything but i mean if it was somebody else other than this situation, yeah. I mean, let's say it was a really a serious duel, uh-huh. um, and you backed out of it, yeah. Um, yeah, you'd be you'd ruin your reputation. Got it. I mean, they used to fight duels to settle all kinds of things. <laughs> I mean, political things. Um, just you know, they call them duels of honor. It, like so if you say something bad about somebody, yeah, slap you can challenge them a with duel. a glove. And yeah, whatever. I mean, it, it was a thing for a long time, and. There were a lot of politicians, especially over in Missouri. There's a lot of stories about some of these guys that, you know, I mean, that went on to become like pretty major important people in the state Uh who killed other people in duels or Andrew Jackson went on to become president. I mean, fought duels all the time. Um, wow. Well, because of his, there's a thing with his wife and okay. they'd gotten married and she was apparently still married to somebody else at the time, but didn't know that the marriage, that the divorce hadn't gone through okay. and then okay. they got married. And then every time someone would say something about it, Jackson being the whack job that he was, yeah. would would challenge everyone to a duel. <laughs> and so he fought a lot of duels. Were they always always to the death or was it just like when somebody seeds Yeah, concedes, I mean, or sometimes like... they weren't, sometimes they were, just depends on the situation. <laughs> Where you, you yeah. shooting where you hit right. them yeah them. i think where you hit them and whether or not it continues and you know whether or not someone surrenders i mean there are all kinds yeah, of yeah. rules you know for that oh, kind of stuff and so, so.
1: no it's it's barbaric and stupid and i love it so much i yeah. love, I love <laughs> the idea of the yeah people. it's
0: it's always interesting to read about i mean you know unless it's like alexander hamilton and aaron burr yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. or something yeah. you know or <laughs> stephen decatur who you know was a like one of like the most famous people in the country was killed in a duel, you know, and he had, he had beaten the Barbary pirates, this is early 1800s. And he was in DC and, you know, he was like the national hero, Mm -hmm. right. And, um, got involved in some stupid duel and and was killed that, you know, and it's like way before his time. I mean, he probably would have went on to really even greater things.
1: it's, It's why my, my, my philosophy, like I, I kind of like, um, liken this to like a drunken bar thing and my thing is always like Let's go inside. I'll buy you a beer. Let's just shoot the shit. Come on, we're adults. You know, Let's not do this and not rather shoot than each fight other. Fight in the parking lot. Yeah, exactly. You know. So yeah,
0: that's today's version of a duel, I guess. Yes. Yeah,
1: so, so so I'm pretty good at getting out of duel, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, okay, but we're we're getting close to the end. But um, remains under the um, under around the prison everything we're just never removed. So like when we go downtown Alton and, right. and park
0: well, around these places, you know, probably and bodies. officially they don't say that, but um, well, we can if that? you well, but if you no, you can because. Because according to guys who were there, yeah, uh, they were burying people there on the grounds, right? Because they couldn't, they have any place to couldn't keep bodies. up, yeah. And there were just too many of them; they couldn't wait, yeah. You know, not in the summertime. You, I mean, you know True. how hot, you know how hot it's been here for the last week. Imagine what it was like there. I have no you know? air conditioning I mean, today, and it's not even yeah. Hot yet. It's
1: brutal. Yeah. You know, it
0: had to have been brutal. And so. I mean, and
1: Troy, you and I know what it's like to, to dig a body for a gra- like a, a <laughs> grave for a body. It's <laughs> It's, it's, hot. Exhausting. it's yeah, exhausting, yeah.
0: There's it's, no place to put them. It's so.
1: exhausting. <laughs> um, one of the last things I want to talk to you about, though, and just to hit it again, clarify it the stones from the prison,
0: oh, God. not around, they no, not, they were no. not used to build any buildings. So here stop in town. asking us that. That was a TV show. I mean, I can tell you exactly, it was scariest places on earth. <laughs> and they filmed here in Alton. Mm-hmm, uh, yep. I did some of the filming with them I've seen it multiple times and they desperately wanted me to say that that was true and yes. I said that is not true uh-huh. that did not happen <laughs> and... these buildings were built the prison was still standing yeah, at yeah. the time or How's at least that most work? of it is and so yeah they didn't use it just because just because the, the it's all the same limestone from the you know that they yeah. we, we quarried here in town these are limestone bluffs There's right, lots of limestone there, if you, if you here drive town, around alton and there are go, you, quarries well hidden huge, all over huge, in, right in the middle of town huge. like if you drive that up albie street yeah, yes. it's like you know people don't understand how unusual alton is well, until we, they well, get here i didn't know that because we, we, we used to hear explosions right yeah. partly, and it's yeah. like
1: oh no it's quarry like, it is is
0: it. right in the middle of town yeah. but it's got trees all the way around <laughs> it so you can't you don't really see it right 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 and you even the highway crosses right over yeah, it yeah, yeah. and then you drive up Albie and you go right by the entrance it's and huge, it's huge, huge and it's in the middle of town yes but so a lot of the buildings here were all built using the limestone why wouldn't you yeah and so you know the basement at the mcpike mansion a lot of the mineral springs you know mm-hmm. these places were built using limestone but not limestone that was Bricks for the right. prison. We're not saying it's not haunted. we're yeah, just, saying, we're just saying, not saying from there th- that they're not from there. Yeah. So yeah, I I've been begging. It's been like twenty years. I I've know. Been begging people. This to is stop the last time that. we're ever going to fucking talk. Yeah, about yeah I don't. But, I'm not going to talk about it again. Next time somebody asks me, I'm going to go go back and listen to the this special episode, episode, this episode four of the podcast, or this episode, like, or the other five Yeah. That we talked yeah, yeah. about it. But yeah, I agree with you. No uh, okay. More. I just I had to bring. No, it up it's okay. That's well, and I put it in here just for that reason. I you I put it in here and said. Yeah. No. You all no, have no, no
1: you all have no idea. Yeah. I have to bring up stuff to Troy that I might potentially trigger him i do it just for you <laughs> yeah. so you better love that i take this risk for you yeah um but the last thing you ended it you said the past is
0: never dead it's not even past. and yeah. i i i yeah, like that's that a good yeah It uh, i mean it works like i mean it's like you're a writer that's not yeah well i didn't say it faulkner did and <laughs> well, well, but writing. i mean well he definitely was a writer but and he wasn't talking about ghosts he was talking about the south right but it fits i it mean does. it definitely it fits for places like this. it was perfect fits for Alton. That's for sure. Yeah. So,
1: well, hell man, that's all I got. Cool. This is one of our episodes where we don't have to do the whole crazy mm-hmm. stuff. So exactly. I mean,
0: check us out. We've-
1: yeah, Whatever yeah. I mean, want. yeah,
0: we got the usual stuff. I mean, check out the new edition of, of the Alton. I don't even think we've even mentioned it other than we talked about it coming in. Yeah, but yeah. if you haven't read it yet, I mean, let's say you've got the old one. I saw somebody on like Instagram or something. Uh, I do, me- I messi- did a little messi- real. Did you send that to me? I, I, no, um, no, I didn't send it to you, but I messaged uh, them and yeah, I said they you got like, the OG one. Yeah, that's a, they the they have the old copy, ones. which is fun, but you know, I mean, if you want actual updated information yeah that uh, you know and a much nicer looking well definitely yeah Um, the new artwork definitely much better (laughs) yeah so but yeah it's um yeah it's just, it's a, you know, it's, I, I had a lot of fun putting it together. So, and you can get it at a discount. So do we have to mention all that stuff? I don't, we don't normally, but um, if you podcast. just use the podcast discount, you can get yeah. discounts on everything. So yeah. promo code, I guess. Promo code. Podcast there you go. promo yeah, code. Yeah. So. And if you're, if
1: you're typing in your credit card information, look for a place to put the word podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there, there will out. be one. So yeah. Yeah. Just stick it in there. All right awesome okay well this episode of the american hauntings podcast is written by troy taylor it's produced and edited by me cody beck we hope you've enjoyed this return to alton podcast and will be with us as we present 10 episodes of the history okay we need to rewrite this, this no 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 we do we stumbly. are gonna do 10 i mean, no. i because no, well, you're not reading it right i'm just meant okay <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed this return to alton podcast
0: That's oh okay short. it's missing a word that, there you go our okay. alton our alton thing. podcast and or no we, the we've alton enjoyed track. this return to alton Oh, it is. We hope you've enjoyed this Return to Alton podcast. Oh, see, that this, is me. It, you're, you're just right. putting emphasis on that. you're not reading it wrong. You just put the emphasis on the wrong, words. Uh, the, the, on the emphasis <laughs> on the wrong syllable? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Be with us as we present 10 episodes. I don't know what I'm going to do with this. Yeah, one. we I'm hope sure. you've returned. We hope you've enjoyed this Return to you're Alton reading. podcast. Yeah. And we'll be with us as we present 10 episodes of the history, hauntings, legends, and lore from one of the most haunted small towns in America. You can. I'll let you
1: finish. thanks for listening we couldn't and definitely wouldn't and I don't want to do this anymore um, do it without you so uh, until next time goodbye so long see you later
0: <laughs> do we keep all yeah it's funny I funny I knew it wasn't wrong but I knew it wasn't yeah wrong. it was I, just I it, it, I, and then I looked at it I went